Welcome to the Grace Chapel Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're encouraged and built up in your faith as we dive into God's Word together. Enjoy the message. Turn to Luke chapter 22. Today I want to talk to you about the power of communion. Luke chapter 22. If you're new to Grace, we're going to put a lot of these scriptures on the screen. Singular. Did you catch that? Screen singular. All right, so Luke chapter 22. I want to talk to you about communion, the power of communion. We're going to talk about Passover today. And I want to just take you back a little bit into the Old Testament. The celebration of Passover was something that the Jewish people did every year to celebrate when they were slaves in Egypt. And God was about to send an angel to wipe out the enemy, and they were to take a lamb to sacrifice that lamb and to put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of their house so that when the angel would come by, if he saw the blood on the post, the doorpost of that home, the angel would pass over. So that's why it was called Passover. So so they would go celebrate this now. This was the first Jewish holiday ever celebrated, and it was to be celebrated every year, and it was called Passover. And Jesus is preparing to have Passover with his disciples in Luke chapter 22. And we're going to pick it up in verse 14. When the hour had come, he sat down and with the 12 apostles with him. And then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Of God. In other words, what Jesus is saying, this is my last time on earth. I won't be here next year. This is my last opportunity to have Passover with you, but this is the most important Passover. In fact, it's the most important Passover that has ever taken place. Watch this in, in verse number 17. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, verse 20 says, He also took the cup after supper. Watch this, the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. And he took the cup after supper and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Jesus, of course, being Jewish, celebrated Passover every year. In Luke chapter 2, verse 41, the Bible says that when he was a child, his parents would take him into Jerusalem they would celebrate Passover every year. So Jesus knew all that took place during Passover. And I want to just set the table for you. Is that okay? I want to set the table for you and go into what took place at Passover and why each element is so important. There were four things that would be placed on the table. The first one is unleavened bread. Unleavened bread. Bread without leaven or bread without yeast. Leaven is yeast. Now, there's two reasons why 
God commanded them to use unleavened bread. The first one is that the unleavened bread represented their exit out of slavery from Egypt. Let me read to you in Deuteronomy chapter number 16. It says, you shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread with it. That is the bread of affliction, for you came out of the land of Egypt in haste. That you may remember the day in which you came out of the land of Egypt all the days of your life. In other words, they were leaving Egypt. The yeast would take time to ferment, and so they, they were leaving in haste, so they left having baked unleavened bread, bread without yeast. But also, if you go into the Old Testament and into the New, leaven or yeast represented sin. Do you remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 16? He said, beware of what? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. So all throughout the Bible, leaven represents sin. So the Jewish families were commanded to remove all leaven from your house and for seven days, they could only eat unleavened bread. Unleavened bread was also pierced. It was pierced, and they would cut stripes into the bread so that the bread would not burn while it was baking. Jesus himself saying, I am the bread from heaven. He was pierced, right? Isn't God good? He was pierced. Stripes were laid upon him. Why? Because he is the bread from heaven. The other thing that was on the table would be bitter herbs. Bitter herbs would be placed upon the table and they would dip the leavened bread, unleavened bread, into the bitter herbs. The bitter herbs were to remind them of the slavery and the bitterness that took place when they were slaves in Egypt. And in John and also in Matthew, when Jesus is having Passover, it says that he dipped the unleavened bread into the bitter herbs and gave it to Judas, signifying the bitterness that was in Judas's heart, and Judas immediately left to betray him, immediately left to betray him. The other thing that was placed on the table were four cups, not just one, but four cups, four cups. Two were to be drunk before supper, and two were to be drunk after supper. This is extremely important. Let me show you why. It comes from a verse in Exodus chapter 6, and I want to read this verse to you, and this is such an important verse. It says this in Exodus 6, verses 6 and 7. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from out under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments, I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. The third cup, which was the first cup to be drunk after supper, was called the cup of redemption. This is the cup that Jesus chose when he took the cup and he says to his disciples, this cup, this cup. 
each cup representing the promises that God made in Exodus chapter 6. This cup where God says, I will redeem you. This cup is the new covenant. This cup is filled with my blood. It is my blood that will redeem you. It is my blood that will fulfill the promise. This cup represents a new covenant. It is this cup. That's why Luke says it and Paul repeats it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25. It says this, that Paul says, and likewise he took the cup after supper. This cup. Each cup signifying a promise from God, but this promise is unique and special. Why? Because this promise is the promise of redemption. This cup represents the new covenant. Amen? A new covenant that God made. We sang about it this morning. Jesus, our redemption. Amen? Jesus, our salvation. Where is our salvation? It is in his Blood. It is this cup that he has taken, that he has said to us, this is a new covenant that I'm making with you today. The old has passed away. I've been so fervent. I've desired so much for this moment. And now here it is finally fulfilled. I won't be able to share another Passover with you, but I can make you this promise today. There's a new covenant, and I'm taking this cup, the cup of redemption, and I'm filling it with my blood. And once and for all, I'm I'm redeeming you. Isn't that great news today? That's why we come to communion with such a special time and a special moment. That's why it's unlike anything else. The last thing at the table was the lamb. The lamb. The lamb. In John chapter 1, Jesus is walking to John the Baptist to be baptized, and John says, Behold. <laughs> the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. My sin, every transgression I've ever committed, every transgression you've ever committed, the iniquity that is in our hearts, the sins, the transgressions, all of them. The Bible says Jesus placed them all upon himself. Listen, he is that perfect, spotless Lamb that was sacrificed. Listen, once and for all, he paid the price as the perfect Lamb of God. He he is the lamb of the Passover. Somebody say amen. Yeah. Amen. Listen, let me give you three things that communion is. Communion, number one, communion is a time of remembrance. It's a time of remembrance. And it's not just we remember the cross. Watch this. I want you to go back even further. We remember that a new covenant has been established, Right? A new covenant has been established. There was an old way of doing things, and now there's a new way of doing things. Because Jesus said, this, as often as you eat this cup, drink this, this, do it in remembrance of me. In remembrance of me. You remember that I stood here and I held the cup of redemption. And I said, boys, everything from this point on is new. My blood is going to fill this cup. I'm going to redeem all of mankind with my precious blood. Let me read to you from Hebrews chapter 10 in the New Living Translation. It says this, the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. 
The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. It was an old system. It was a temporary system. It was never able to perfectly cleanse us. But guess what? There is a new system, a new covenant, amen? And now we can be perfectly right with God. We can be cleansed completely. Let me give you some differences between the old and the new, all right? The old and the new. The, the old covenant, right? The first thing you need to know is the old covenant was through the blood of goats and calves, right? But the new covenant is through the blood of a sinless Lamb of God. Let me read to you, read to you from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18, 19 says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Listen, we sang about it even in that first song. How priceless, how precious is the blood of Jesus Christ. It will never lose its power. In fact, I was listening this week to a song that said this, there is nothing more powerful than the blood of Jesus. Listen to that for just a moment. There is nothing, nothing on earth, nothing in heaven, there is nothing more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And we get the opportunity today to once again acknowledge, to go back and to remember the blood that was shed for us. The second thing about the old system versus the new system is this. That blood covered, right? But today his blood cleanses. First John 1, 7 says, but if we're living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus. Come on, somebody. His son cleanses us from all sin. It doesn't just cover. This isn't a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. He heals us. He cleanses us. Do you remember a few weeks ago when I was preaching from Isaiah 53, 5, and I said that the answer to everything, the answer to everything, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the answer to everything is found in one word by his stripes we are watch this healed it's healing healing is the answer to everything and how are we healed through the stripes that Jesus bore and the blood that he shed amen it's healing that we need and it's healing that we have amen listen I believe when we come to the Lord's table we can be healed physically emotionally right past sins, past iniquities, but also past abuses. All of the hurt, all the pain, all the rejection, when we come to his table, we receive healing. The third thing is this, that blood that was shed by the animals was once a year, his blood is once and for all. Amen? Once and for all. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12 says, Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered into what? The most holy place, once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. That means that the priest in the old system, the old covenant, the priest would go into the holy of holies 
And he would actually have bells on because if he had sin in his life, he would drop dead. They would actually tie a rope around his leg because they couldn't go in after him. They had to drag the old poor boy out. You know what I'm saying? But Jesus went into the holy place. And here's what he did. He went in not with the blood of animals, but with his own blood. He said, here, God, this is for the sins of all mankind. My sin, your sin, it's once and for all. No more sacrifices. Once and for all. Never again. Once and for all. We are healed. We are cleansed. We are delivered. And we are forgiven. Amen. I am forgiven once and for all. I am forgiven and set free. Amen. Oh, it's exciting news. So number one, communion is a time of remembrance. Communion is a time of remembrance. Number two, communion is a time of reverence. Communion is a time of reverence. Jesus went to his table, and I believe that was a holy moment, right? Because can I just say this? Can I just say this? Some of you grew up in different religions. For some of you, it was called Eucharist, which is is different. I was actually, this is a true story. My friend was an altar boy, and he said, why don't you come to church with me today? I'll see if the priest will let you be an altar boy. I had never been to a Catholic church in my life. He asked the priest. The priest said, sure. I don't know. I put on a rope. I put, I, this is true story. I put a rope around me, and I was an altar boy. The only day I've ever stepped foot in a Catholic church for a service, I was an altar boy. I had no idea where I was going, what I was doing. I had ropes, and they were just dragging me everywhere. I'm following, like, this zigzag path, and I literally poured the wine for the priest that day, having never stepped foot in the Catholic church in my life. That's a true story. It has nothing to do with this sermon, but that is a true story. (laughs) I'm trying to fit it in. I can't. It just doesn't. It's fun, but it has nothing to do with the sermon. All right? But do you notice? Do you notice? It's called, now, listen, I grew up the Lord's table. I grew up, it was the Lord's supper. It's not the Savior's table, and it's not the Savior's supper. Now, we tend to call it communion. Communion. But if it's not called communion, it's always called the Lord's table or the Lord's supper, often referred to as that. Why is it not the Savior's supper? Because it's a time of reverence that we come before him and we acknowledge him. Is he our savior? Yes. But at this moment, we acknowledge him as our Lord. And do you know, here's what he asked of the Jewish people. Not asked, he commanded, you remove all leaven from your house. All the sin, all the garbage, all of it has to go. Don't come to the Lord's table with the leaven. You remove it, right? That's why Paul even talks about not taking and receiving of the Lord's Supper or going to the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. Let me read this to you from from the Amplified Version when Paul is talking in 1 Corinthians. Here's what he says in verse number 28, 1 Corinthians 11, 8 from the Amplified. But a person must prayerfully examine himself and his relationship to Christ. And only when he has done so, and only when he has done so, and only when he has done so, 
should he eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I'm going to give you time, as a matter of fact, right before we receive communion, to examine yourself. Now, that doesn't mean you come perfect. Anybody sin this week? Raise your hand. Come on now. I'm raising mine. I was, driving, I was in Houston, Texas, driving in traffic. I had thoughts. I can tell you right now. I wanted to blow up many people that were on the road. Just blow their car up. So I had thoughts I had to repent of. Right? So we don't come perfect. It just means we come with the desire to live holy. I don't want sin in my life. I want to live holy. We get rid of the unforgiveness and the bitterness, and we say, listen, I'm not walking out of this building right back into the sin. I'm choosing freedom today. Amen? So you're going to come to the Lord's table, remove all the leaven out of your life. Not in a perfect way, but in a sincere way. Amen? So communion is a time of reference. And can I just say that maybe, listen, we like to have fun in church and we like to laugh and, and we're a come-as-you-are church, but maybe we understand a little more that this is holy ground and the church is serious. And maybe we need to add a little more reverence, come on now, to the kingdom of God and the things of God and certainly when we come to the Lord's table. And the third one is this, communion is a time of renewal. It's a time of renewing. Now, I want you to follow me on this one. Follow me on this one. 1 Corinthians, chapter number 10, the chapter before Paul gives the instructions on communion and the correction that is needed. 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 16. I want to read this verse to you. It says this, that the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ, the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Watch this. The cup of blessing which we take of, right, which we bless, it's the communion of the blood of Christ, and the bread is the communion of the body of Christ. The word communion in the Greek is the word kionania. Now, you may have heard that word before if you've been in church. And we have taken that word and reduced it to mean fellowship. I did a lot of study this week, and I can just tell you that word is so much bigger and so much more important than fellowship. It actually can be better translated intimacy. It is, it is a, such an intense fellowship. It is a sharing. It is a coming together in such an intense way that it's almost as if a husband and wife come together in a non-sexual way, but an intimate way. Did you hear me now? An intimate way. When I say to you that communion is a time of renewing, let me give you this example. My wife and I have been married for 27 years. For our 25th anniversary, we renewed our vows. I did it here at the church. In fact, I did it standing right here on this stage. We invited friends. It was, it was, anybody remember 2020? That year? So we, we invited friends, and they came, and Pastor Tom Urso actually officiated the vow renewal, where I, I just, we, we just had a time where we came together, and we renewed our vows. Now, watch this. This is so important. We were legally married before the vow renewal 
and we were legally married after the vow renewal. Nothing changed legally. Did you hear me? Nothing changed legally. It was just a special moment where I just, I wanted to tell her what she meant to me, right? And I just wanted to, I just wanted to get up here in front of everybody and just say, I would choose you again. I would choose you again. That's all it was about, right? When we come to communion, doesn't save us. Nothing changes legally. Communion doesn't save you. The Bible says you're saved by grace through faith, right? But what communion is, it's a renewing of your vow to God. It's you saying, God, I would choose you again. God, I would choose you again. And thank you for choosing me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for the cup. Thank you that you've redeemed me. Thank you that you have washed me clean. And I've come to this table with remembrance and reverence, but I also come to renew my love for you, God, and to tell you, Lord, that you mean more to me than anything else in this world. And so I come today... And I just say, God, I want you. I want all of you. And you are all the, that I want. And you're the most important person in my life. Now I take this bread. And I take this cup. And I glorify you. And I give you thanks and I give you praise. When I say that we take communion and it renews our relationship with him, that's what I mean. It changes, right, when we think about it like that. It doesn't save us but it is an act of remembrance, it is an act of reverence, and it is an act of renewal. So that when we walk away from the communion table, it's just something, right? Because listen, when I got off that platform, having renewed my vow with my wife, it was just like I was so excited. It's just like it was our wedding day again. Come on now. Just like it was our wedding day again. When you leave here today, if you come to this table in honesty, if you come to the Lord's table with reverence, you walk out of this place like it was the day you got saved, the day you were set free, the day chains were broken off of your life, the day all your sins were forgiven, and you say, thank you, God, that you've redeemed my life. Thank you for the cup. Thank you for the bread. Thank you that you are the Lamb of God who has taken away all of my sin. God, I praise you today. Thanks for joining us. And thank you to our Grace family who have been generously giving in to this ministry. For more information about our church, please visit gogracechapel.com and give us a follow on Facebook or Instagram with the same handle at gogracechapel. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.